Hello and welcome to episode number 33 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for downloading our show today, wherever you are listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Huge week ahead on the show as we have some major announcements coming your way, prize giveaways, and two very exciting guests. And even more exciting, if you're a listener from New Zealand's This Week, is all about our friends from across the ditch. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear all about the very exciting competition giveaway that is coming your way for all the New Zealand listeners out there, and it'll start this coming Friday. Also coming Friday is some huge news regarding Off The Block Swimming Podcast, New Zealand Swimming, Arena NZ, and all our Kiwi listeners. Friday's episode will also feature New Zealand Young Gun and World Championship medalist Lewis Clairbert, which brings us to today's special guest. He's an Olympian from Rio 2016. He's also former New Zealand Swimmer of the Year, and I'm talking about Mr. Brad Ashby. Spoke to the Kiwi star last week and discussed getting back in the pool following coronavirus, swimming for him growing up, his first taste of international racing, going up against Michael Phelps in 2016 at the Olympics, his coach, and a whole lot more. So if you're an Aussie and you aren't familiar with Brad, I hope you enjoy getting to learn all about this brilliant NZ athlete. And if you are listening from New Zealand, get ready to hear all about one of your stars of the pool right now, because Ep 33 with Brad Ashby starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Joining me today on the show from across the ditch in New Zealand is an Olympian from Rio and 2016 was NZ Swimmer of the Year. Since then, he's gone on to compete at World Champs, Com Games, becoming one of the current stars helping put New Zealand swimming back on the map. It is a very big welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast to Bradley Ashby. How are you going, mate? Good, mate. Good, thanks for having me. Not a trouble at all, mate. Now, listen, everyone knows that I'm, I'm in the studios in Sydney, but where have we caught you today? Um, well, currently I'm just lying in bed at home uh, in Auckland, so, yeah. Oh, very, very nice. Just chilling today. Um, what have you been up to today so far, though? Have you, have you trained? Uh, yeah, so we just had one, uh, one swim session this morning, and then I ended up just coming home and having a nap and relaxing how good is a nap a nap is one of my favorite things to do although i will say this um sometimes i think it goes a bit further than a nap and just becomes an all-out sleep <laughs> yeah no i i agree <laughs> Mate, <laughs> most <must> days <laughs> yeah exactly is, is it cold over there what's the temps getting like now we're into winter uh, oh, uh we're sitting probably like low teens maybe yeah. uh it's not, Auckland doesn't get like, it gets cold, but not super cold, mm. but yeah, enough to need to have a couple layers on. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now, mate, obviously we, we all know the Olympics got pushed back uh, to 2021. What effect did that have on you mentally? Were you ready to go this year or did you see it as a good thing that you had another year to, to get yourself ready? Um, well, I don't know. I was getting pretty stressed out leading into our trials, which was the week after we went into level four. Um, but I think for me, it was, it's probably been the best thing that could have happened. Um, yeah, like I had, uh, fractured my, I had a stress fracture in my rib at the end of last year, which took me out for six and a half weeks. Um, so yeah, that, that was probably, you know, from all of that, probably the best thing that could have happened. So how'd you manage that? Um, it was, uh, I think it was a part of like stuff we were doing in the gym okay. and then just overloading everything. Oh, good. So it's been a sort of a silver lining for you in a way that you, you got to, um, 
you know, heal yourself and get, although we, we just talked before we started here that you, you managed to injure yourself just after we started having a break. Tell us about that. Yeah. How did you manage that one? Uh, so I was just doing some like body weight exercises like every day. Um, so the, I think it was like the fourth or fifth day of uh, our lockdown. And um, I was just going through the cupboards that we have in our garage at my parents' place because I went down there for it and saw my skateboard. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'll do my <laughs> workout and then I'll get that out. And my dad's like, no, nah, don't do that. You hurt yourself. <laughs> and within five minutes, I'd absolutely fallen off and <laughs> fell on my hand and hip and then my wrist just swelled up for the next bloody like five or six days i was just really sore so Mate, i shouldn't yeah. be laughing but all, all stories that start with oh and then i saw my skateboard that i used to go yeah it never ends well I'll, after that <laughs> no <laughs> may talk to me uh, about um you know your training during COVID 19 what, what have you been getting up to have you managed to to find a, a pool or a, a lake to have a splash in or has it mostly been in the gym what have you been up to um, so during level four, uh, we had no swimming available at all. Um, obviously I did that stuff the first five days and after that kind of was just like, well, I can't really do much. And then sat on my ass for the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, coming into level three, started doing like a little bit more. Um, we, or me and my dad, uh, fixed, uh, one of those swimming ergos. Mm-hmm. And I used that probably a couple times, and then they've got a X cycle at home. They used a couple times, and then I went for one swim down in the uh, river, down in the Waikato River. Um, and then when we came into level two, uh, we had swimming back on, so um, we uh, swam up at um, AT Millennium and out of the Surum Glen pool, and they uh, our team at North Shore, uh, like my coach and the um, assistant coach both were talking with the the president of AUT Millennium about sorting out swim times and all of that Mm -hmm. and managed to get us back into the pool um, throughout that. And we've just been building back in since level two started, which has been really nice, actually. Well, it's good to hear. I mean, I, I mean, you, you haven't gone nuts with it. As you said, you had a bit of a break. You didn't do too much. And then you slowly sort of built yourself back into it. Well, I've got to go back to that, um, you know, swimming in the lake. How cold is it down there, mate? I know the, you know, the beaches here are getting cold. So, you know, get out there if you're crazy, like as some of the surfers do. But must be cold yeah. down there. How was that for you? Um, well, it wasn't actually too bad because it hadn't, hit the cold snap yet Mm. i find new zealand's really funny where we'll have summer and it'll just be like nice and warm nice and warm nice and warm and then it'll be like one morning and it's like kind of chilly and then it's just cold yeah it kind of just like turns just like that and so we're still kind of it was like it wasn't super warm but it was like not cold down at the beach the sun was uh well like i say beach but it was like riverbank beach kind of thing um and then sort of went down, the sun was out. It was like nice, nice day out. It wasn't cold. I think it was probably like 18, 19 degrees mm. or something like that. But the water was pretty chilly. It would have probably been like, oh, I don't know. It was like 16, 17 maybe. God damn. Is that why you only went in once? You said you only did it once. Yeah, no. Um <laughs> I, I kept on saying that I would go back down, but never did. It was probably like a week and a bit out. But it was really weird because the um, uh, something happened where um, the one of the Maori chiefs uh, put a um, blessing on the river, so they didn't want anyone like going in in it because okay. just to like protect. It's like a ritual thing. That, yeah they protected from anything happening to the water. So they didn't want people going in it either, which, you know, is understandable. Mm. Mate, I like that story. I wonder how believable it is. I think it might have just been very cold and you didn't want to go back in and you've come up with that story. But I like it. I like the story. 
Oh, not much of a story because <laughs> it was all over the news as well. <laughs> no, I believe um, you. Mate. I believe you. Nah, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mate, obviously we've we've been able to get back in the pool uh, over here in Australia slowly but surely. You know, um, different states have been getting back in the pool, and and I know just talking to you before that you've been at, uh, back for about you know three to four weeks. Must be cheering to be yep. back in and not having to you know do too much dry land or, or get down in the lake. Uh, not really. Um, we're, we've just started gym back up last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our three gym sessions, but we're not doing any dry land just yet. But I think that'll be slowly introduced in the next couple of weeks, um, just depending on when we get back to like full full trainings yeah. as well. Because I'd assume with what our coaches are planning, is that will start happening in the next year couple of weeks with getting back into sort of everything that we were doing how'd you feel when you first got back in a bit flat bit heavy how'd you feel um honestly i felt like i actually felt right like it was tough and like uh, my body position wasn't great but like overall like the stroke all, all four strokes actually felt like pretty good hmm. oh nice now, mate, something I like to do here uh, with all our guests is take everyone back to the beginning because I think, you know, you don't get a full appreciation of someone's career unless you you know where they've come from and where they've started. So, mate, what are the earliest memories of, of swimming for you as a youngster and what drew you towards the pool? Oh, um, well, some of, like, the first major competitions would have been, like, uh, New Zealand Junior Champs. I remember going up against um, Corey Main. Mm-hmm. When um, we were both 12, um, and I won a silver uh, ribbon, because they had ribbons back then, Um, silver ribbon uh, for the region, and then silver medal overall in all of New Zealand, because they did did regionally uh, New Zealand juniors. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that was my first sort of national medal that I won at 12. Going from there, it was just news on age groups into, I think, my first international competition that I went to would have been, ooh, I went to, I, I always came over to Aussie Age. Mm-hmm. I came over to Aussie Age when I was 13, 14, yep. uh, pretty much 13 through 17, um, after, especially after coming to school over at uh, the Southport School mm-hmm. on the Gold Coast. Yep. Um, yeah, I competed at... Uh, the 2013 Australian Youth Olympic Festival, um, which they had at, in Sydney at the um, Olympic Olympic Park pool there. Yeah, nice. And then going from there is like uh, World Juniors and World Juniors in 2013, uh, Junior Pampax in 2014, yeah. onto like the big internationals like Worlds and Olympics and mm. Com Games. Yeah, nice. Now, what drew you towards swimming, though, Matt, as a youngster? Do, you know, were you sort of, um, you know, drawn in by the, the competitive nature of it all and, and, you know, going one-on-one with everyone? Were you were more involved with the, with the training aspect of it and enjoying being around your mates and, and pushing yourself in training? What, what sort of was um, most enjoyable for you? Well, what really drew me was probably more Oz good at it um i hadn't like i hadn't competed my parents hadn't even like considered putting me in for competitions or i didn't even like represent a club or anything until 10 um and that was like only through an official at our inter-school champs who's like uh, she disqualified me for something it was i think it was like the 100 i am or something Mm um and she was like, do some for a club. And I was like, no. She's like, oh, you should consider it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Because um, my dad and, well, both my parents were like, well, we, they took me for learn to swim and swimming lessons since I was young. I honestly always loved the water. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad used to always dunk me in the bath and I'd always just have an absolute laugh about it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I, but that was also like from my dad. Uh, he he saved a kid from drowning in a pool, backyard yeah. pool, and that's kind of where it was like you know 
we don't want the same sort of thing happening. We want our kids to at least be like, you know, competent in the water. And so that's sort of got me. But, you know, like, that's where I think about it as well, where it's like, well, you live in New Zealand, you can drive an hour any direction nearly from wherever you live and you could find a large body of water. So, you know, it's not like you can escape it. But, yeah, so... And then sort of found a swim club from there and started from it. Um, I don't know. I, I thoroughly enjoy the competing, mm. uh, as stressful as it gets. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I think it's just my – I have very, very competitive nature yeah. in everything that I do. So that sort of comes out in all aspects of it as well, like including training. Did you play any other um, sports growing up, mate? I mean, obviously, you know, New Zealand, obviously known for its, um, you know, rugby union, cricket. Did you play any other sports? Uh, yeah, so I, growing up, I always played cricket and soccer. Mm-hmm. So I was, I don't know, I, I've always really enjoyed cricket. Um, I, I played hardball cricket from, uh, I played it for four years when I was what uh, my last two years of primary school and then my two years of intermediate I uh, played it all the way through there being in the first team um, at at my school for all of that batter or and bowler? then uh, bowler oh, nice. yeah uh, left arm fast <laughs> left arm that's an yeah um, I can remember very clearly I uh, took after one of the Australian fast bowlers in year seven. Um, if there are photos out there of anyone that has it, uh, I have long hair and it was to imitate uh, Nathan Bracken. Nathan Bracken, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I, cause I, I can't fully remember, but I remember like the hairstyle and trying to like imitate that kind of thing. So that was where that inspiration came from. <laughs> um, but yeah, so cricket would definitely be another venture that I'd look into after swimming if there is anything. But besides that, um, yeah, I played soccer as well because it was kind of like summer winter sports. Yeah. Mate, you mentioned there obviously with the cricket, did you have any idols or, or heroes growing up you know, either in the pool or obviously, uh, you know, on the cricket pitch? Um, well, yeah, like uh, mainly the big ones like Ian Thorpe, mm-hmm. um, Ian Thorpe and Michael Phelps, and then Lochte for a bit of time there, just looking at like um, the times and stuff and events that they swam. Um, quite funny though, <laughs> in saying Ian Thorpe as well, because uh, whenever I was an Australian uh, in Australia, like traveling um to and from New Zealand and Australia when I was living over over there people would always say do you, you know you look a bit like Antle and I was like oh yeah I do get that a bit <laughs> that which is quite ironic man. really yeah oh um, nah <laughs> mate um, yeah, so. we, we touched on it before um you know in terms of you know your, your career so far and you know your junior ages but when did swimming start to get a little bit more competitive for you so when did you really start to think okay i, I want to be the best at this kind of always and like my so i had my first sort of swim competitive swim coach um Matt Wolf and sort of trained under him. He was still a young guy at the time. I I was ten. He's I think he's like twenty, early twenties. Um, and then we had our coach above him at the time, which was John Pike, and he had all the numbers for everything from you know all of the international comps for the past like 15 or 20 years or something like he has the analyst uh, all the analysts that he did then was more like he would look at this person was doing this time at this age and it progresses through to like Olympic gold medal 
swimming times kind of thing. And he he could predict or he would uh, look at times and be able to predict what you needed to do. So it's kind of when I moved up into John's squad, um, he had all of this information and relayed it through to us and kind of like, you know, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was like 2010 uh, or 2011 that he, uh, he gave myself and another swimmer a, jacket which was road to rio um as like he predicted that you know at the state at the rate that we were going at that we could make the rio olympic games like the 2012 london was a bit too close to make the drop Mm -hmm. but 2016 was definitely a like achievable goal so that's kind of where like through swimming i'd like always watch the Olympic, uh, from what I can remember, 2004 and 2008 Olympics, yeah. especially 2008 with um, Phelps and his eight gold medals, like watching that. And, yeah. you know, that was always like, I always dreamed of representing New Zealand and going to the Olympics, you know? Yeah. Mate, 100%. And, and you know, at one stage in your career, um, as we touched on, you know, you make the junior world champs and stuff like that, but... You know, you were trying to make those teams. Was there anything that you needed to change within your training, um, you know, to make those next steps? So, you know, was it, you know, your nutrition away from the pool? Have you always been a good eater? Prehab stuff before, you know, um, training, before racing with stretching and activating. Has there been things you've needed to learn along the way to help you step up? Oh, definitely. Um, Nutrition's always, like, really important. Even now, like, I don't know, you know, you have your off days, uh, you know, you get into bad habits. Mate, that every you need day's, to, like, every day's an off on. day for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, definitely trying to manage it more um, and think about it. And then, um, like, prehab stuff is just sort of ingrained in my routine now, like, yeah. exercises that I do that I know work. Um, and I think, like, a big thing as well is after training, uh, like, recovery. So, like, I've just got myself a massage gun. Mm-hmm. And, my gosh, it is incredible. I uh, Like, you know, I got, a, uh, I got it pretty cheap online. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I think I only got it yesterday because I, I ordered it last week and it I got it ordered to my parents' house and then I met up with my dad yesterday and got it and that thing made a world of difference for training this morning <laughs> after how I was feeling yesterday. So Money well spent. I, I'm, oh, 100%, 100%. Like, I've been looking at it for ages. But then like that and stretching out and, you know, other things, are, you, you know, just managing it all and then finding time to also be able to do all that, if, you know, not being able to always be able to do it if you've got other things that you got to do, you know. Mm. Hey, 2013, we, we mentioned it before, but you make the junior world champs in uh, for NZ in, in Dubai. What was that experience like? Was it a bit of an eye-opener? Uh, it was pretty unreal. Um, I was in Aussie at the time um, going to school out there, and one of the other guys at uh, TSS with me was on the New Zealand team with me. So there's four of us who made it. Um, oh, nice. So it was kind of like I didn't have to go to the airport and do it all sort of by myself. It was like me and him um, meeting up with the team at the airport kind of thing because they came over from Auckland, uh, stopped off in Brisbane, and then me and him met up with them in Brisbane and then went on through to Dubai. But the whole experience itself, like, I, I couldn't really explain it much, but just how the how we would drive from the hotel. So we'd walk out the hotel, you go into the van and then they drive you out. And it was just like sand on one side of the road. You'd have all the sort of like dusty sort of brown houses. Mm-hmm. And then you rock up to the pool and it's just like desert all around it. <laughs> and then you have this 
sort of oasis kind of thing where you have like palm trees and green grass and this giant building that's just blue in the middle of the desert, you know? So it's kind of like, you're just like, wow. I could imagine. What what was the experience like though over there? This would have been, if not your first, it would have been one of your first sort of, you know, trips away with the, with the New Zealand team. Did you learn anything about yourself over there? Did you make any mistakes that now you look back on and go, well, glad I did because I've learned from that? Um, it is a bit hazy nowadays. <laughs> uh, I'd say more of, more of the big learning steps that I've come to realize uh, from Worlds um, just with like looking back at sort of junior years, it, there are times where it's like uh, I've seen them like, yeah, I make consistent drops, whereas I haven't really dropped much since uh, 2016. Um, but like I can see where differences in what I'm doing make the small differences in racing. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of, uh, I don't take back, like, swimming in a big arena. It's always better to have more of that than less, um, especially now, like, I don't know. Rio is probably the biggest that I've experienced, especially, like, with the crowd yeah. and all of that. So it's always, it's it feels nicer not to have that added of the crowd walking out now than being a young 20 year old walking out to 20 30,000 people you know yeah 100 percent. now mate before we get to the olympics we've got 2015 and you go to the world champs yep. over in kazan another sort of sort of you know step up for you now we're in the senior level it's world champs you've been there before but that was juniors now we're at the senior level what differences did you see? Did was there any differences? Were the warm ups, you know, a little bit more hustle and bustle? Were people a little bit more uh, self absorbed? I guess because you know they're, they're more seniors now, so they got to look after themselves. Did you notice any differences? Uh, yeah, I did a little bit, like here and there. Um, it wasn't like all other world champs that you usually go to. Like usually, Fina has hotels that they um, will give out to the each uh, swimming nation and they like, oh, we'll take this one kind of thing. We need this amount of space. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, in 2015, it was in a village scenario, like at, uh, like, at a, like in a games environment yep. where, because they used the, I think it was the 20, uh, it was one of the previous uh, World Uni Games mm-hmm. was held in Kazan. Um, so we stayed in, the accommodation that they had here had there. So I think having that prior leading into future events was a very, like you could see all the people around, you'd see all them around, see what they're doing, see what they're eating kind of thing. Mm. And, you know, it was a lot easier to sort of socialize a bit with other people who know people, um, and like at the pool, seeing like what other people are doing, um, and like trying to just kind of absorb whatever you see, and that's kind of where I was thinking at with like what was going on. Mm. In, in terms of your results, how do you look back on those? Um, in 2015, they were, I would say, probably the worst that I've had. Yeah. At a major comp, um, uh, I hadn't fully prepared well enough uh, leading into that, and like, I could I, I could have recognised that as well with how training was going and all of that. But um, you know, it's definitely like a learning curve as well for you know what I got to do, kind of thing, and how I got to approach things, and taking that back into the programs at training. Well, obviously, mate, lessons were learnt because, as I mentioned in the opener, you know, 2016 was a huge year for you. You, you know, went on to, you know, realise your your dream of, of making Olympic Games in Rio. I think you went on to become, you know, swimmer of the year that year. 
um, you know, every kid's dream is, is to one day compete at the Olympics. And, and you know, you realized it in that year. Before we get to the, you know, the games and, and your experience, give us a little snapshot into, you know, the preparation that goes into making that, you know, Olympic team. So, for example, you know, was training more intense and focused? Did you have a really great training block leading up to it? Because, you know, as you just mentioned in your own words, you know, 15, 2015, sorry, wasn't one of your greater performances, but you learned a lot of lessons out of that. What did you do in terms of implementing them into your lead up to Rio? It was kind of an up and down sort of cycle in between. Um, we sort of like went in through uh, December and it was kind of like up and down a lot. And then I think it was uh, my parents and I sat down with uh, the coach at the time, which was... Um, uh, I believe it was Clive Power at the time, and he said, like, you know, I think you can make this team. I think you can make the Rio team, but you just need to, like, really, really zone in right now. Mm. And I think that was, um, that was six, or eight, six or eight weeks prior to trials. And sort of after having that conversation, it kind of really sunk in, like, yeah, you know, I, I can do this kind of thing. And sort of that six weeks with, like, the sort of focus really narrowing in down, uh, made it a lot easier and, you know, um, swimming on, uh, I believe it was day two, the 2am was, um, at trials that year. Uh, they had qualifying where you could qualify in the morning or the evening um, because of time finals with the 8 and 1500. Yep. And I'd always been focused in my mind that I would nail that morning swim and do it and then after that had happened, it was kind of like I had the time, uh, made the team. There was sort of no more pressure to have to swim any faster. But um, I that morning swim, I it was a two zero 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 zero. Oh wow! Um, had you been under two a, minutes before? No, I hadn't. Um, that was uh, I think almost the second personal best. Yeah. And it was under the qualifying time, obviously, and it had broken the national record as well. Yeah, very nice. Um, so then it kind of like came back and, you know, like you get all the, you feeling like, yes, done it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wasn't there. I was like, nah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and be that first person to go under two. Um, that was what mindset, my mindset was after that morning swim. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, came back at night and went under. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, like after sort of that competition, um, qualifying and doing all that, uh, that's where sort of like, I don't know, it's like a switch had just been flicked from something to, it was just like after realizing what had, ha- what I'd like just done, uh, to qualify that if I want to replicate that at the Olympics, then I really need to step up and in, in the training side of things, which is you know what I did, and then managed to perf- what I felt performed pretty well leading into that. So yeah, that whole sort of training block leading into Olympics was really I felt like I prepared really well for. Absolutely, mate. On to the games now. I mean. Uh, it's been told to me on more than a few occasions here on the podcast that world champs is one thing, but Olympics is a whole other beast in terms of atmosphere, pressures, experience. You know, before we get to the racing side of it, what what was your first Olympic experience like? I mean, you, you touched on before that you'd already, fortunately for you, had a little bit of a um, experience in terms of, uh, you know, having the village environment. But, you know, obviously, as I said, it's a whole other um, beast in terms of all the other sports and all the other athletes that are there and, and the you know the media pressure. What was it like for you? Um, well, fortunate enough for myself, there wasn't a huge like uh, there wasn't a huge media request for me uh, as such. Just at the time, we still had um, uh, Glenn uh, Snyder's at the time, and Lauren had just I think Lauren. Had 
been like sort of there and had a few injuries and stuff. And then we had like Matt Stanley mm-hmm. and um, the whole, and then there's Kane Redford and all like sort of older swimmers who were there. And I was sort of still the younger, younger kid on the block kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so we, the sort of media side wasn't too bad for my part. Um, so I was quite fortunate there. And, but like the whole games village itself was just, I don't know. It was just crazy to see how large the whole village was. And like when we went on the tour, you kind of just like saw the sort of size of how many people were there and you have all the security guards around and, Mm. Um, like like scanning in and out kind of th- or just scanning in when you have to go in anywhere and making sure you've got everything you need because it's not like you can just walk back to your house and get your stuff if you need <laughs> yeah, it yeah. you're gonna there's like half an hour uh, ride on the bus to get to the swimming venue or even another swimming like pool at all because there wasn't any in the um like we had just normal pools, but not like twenty fives or anything in the um, in the uh, village itself. Yeah. So that side of things is like you know you got to be a bit more organised. But then the other side of it is like seeing all the real big star athletes kind of thing. Like uh, there was one day where there was like I'd say probably a thousand people or so just standing around one of the tennis courts in the village watching uh, Novak Djokovic just practice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, that kind of crazy stuff. Like, you see, like, I'd see just, like, Michael Phelps, like, walking walking around the village. Or one day we, um, myself and I think it was Matt Hutchins, we were sitting in the dining hall and then looked kind of over maybe, like, eight or ten seats down to my right on the same table in the dining hall and it's uh, Rafael Nadal just yeah. sitting there talking with his some other people in his team kind of thing. You, just, uh, you see a lot of very famous athletes that, you know, you wouldn't usually ever see, you know. Mm. Do you have to pinch yourself um, that you're there with, with those guys? Is it a is it a moment for you that I, I guess because you are um, you know, still a bit of a young fellow at that stage, I think you're 21, if I'm doing my maths right, or 20, 21. So, um, uh, still 20, yeah. yeah. Did you have to pinch yourself that you were there amongst you know those tremendous athletes? Yeah, it's kind of still surreal to think about it today kind of thing. We're you know, so fortunate to have be able to go and experience that and have that sort of range of everything to happen. And so it, it kind of like comes and goes really fast as well. But when you're in the whole environment, it's, it feels like you're going in slow motion. <laughs> Mate, talk to me about your experiences over there in the pool. You know, how, how do you look back on the games? How, how do you think you performed? Um, well, I, I felt like the actual performance itself in the pool was, uh, exactly like, you know, where you'd want it to be. Um, uh, the biggest sort of, uh, I would, I would, I would say that the biggest race of my life I've ever swam, uh, it's not the best time that I've ever swam, but for this year, like we had, it was the last heat of the 200 IM. Um, and I had, a Brazilian swimmer in the heat, and I had Phelps in the heat as well. In your so, heat? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Very nice. I was in lane eight, so I had to walk out first. And uh, the two IMs usually on day five. So I'd already had sort of a feel for what the crowd was kind of like. Mm-hmm. So... And like any sort of world champs or any sort of major international competition, the home crowd always cheers for their swimmers. Mm-hmm. And then in, in Rio, they would always cheer for Phelps yep. really loud as well. So having both in the same heat, the crowd was just like going nuts. 
<laughs> so to walk out to that um, was a bit like, you know, uh, I was very, very nervous uh, leading into that and then being able to swim. I, I swam 0.01 over my PB that I'd just done in March of the year, yep. of that year at the trials, and was fortunate enough to make the semi final as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, between I think 14th and 18th was within 0.1 of a second for that. So the competition was like very close yeah. uh, to make the semis. And, you know, that's sort of where it happened. And I was, I came back in the evening and didn't do it as well, but I moved up uh, placings. But, um, you know, to make all of that through, like, it was quite uh, emotionally draining as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Mate, what was he like, the great man in marshalling before he walked out? I mean, this was a heat for him, but this was his, his last games. How, how, how was he? Um, well, do you know the meme about him with the angry face in Rio? No. What, what was that? Oh, uh, so... Um, there's there's a photo of Phelps um, of him in marshalling with his hood on, and he just looks dead set, real mad. Yeah. Um, and that I'm pretty sure that was leading into either the semi final or the final of the 200 IM. So like, sort of his mentality into that, you can sort of feel like you know he's in the zone. Mm. Um, but yeah, I always feel well personally for me like all those sort of bigger swimmers, it's kind of like I'll say hi or something, but I don't want to get in the way because I know that, you know, you've got your routine that you have and sort of to take someone out of that and take them out of like, you know, performing mm. or is kind of unfair on them after, you know, I've been preparing for so long for it. I, I know that for a fact that they have too. Yeah. So uh, like, you know, if, I see a moment where they're kind of like just chilling, not doing much. I'll say hi and try and have a conversation, but not go out of my way to annoy them like some other, or not like people annoy them, but like how fans will annoy other people. It's kind of like, you know, I'll take a step back and, yeah. you know, I got to see them and I fortunate enough to race them. Um, and I believe that the only other person to race Phelps at a, Olympics was uh, Moss Burmester in the 200 fly in 2008. Mm. Um, so that's, that was pretty exciting. Mate, you've you brought me sort of to it in terms of, you know, before the race. Did you have any pre-race rituals? Do you have any things that you, you need to do before you go out? Or uh, In those situations, um, yes. I had uh, talked to my sports psych about, like, nerves and all of that stuff because – you know, uh, leading into that, I was very, like, you're nervous. Um, sort of all the pre-race stuff is more trying to bring my focus back in. Uh, I'll do a lot of uh, breathing exercises just to, like, try and relax my body and not get too worked up and tense leading into the races. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, once sort of the starter goes, everything's, like, just gone and i'm just in the pool focused on that mm. which is you know quite easy to do mm. what about uh the, any tunes what about your, your pre-race playlist do you have music that you need to listen to um it kind of varies from year to year uh that year i was listening to a lot of uh we the kings which uh, yep. my best friend actually introduced me into, me into um Very good and man. we've been to the yeah, we've been to their New Zealand concert the two times they've come here and managed to he managed to get me a meet meet and greet for their oh, very nice. twenty eighteen show. So I've got a poster right behind where I'm lying right now with uh their, all their autographs. So, you know, it's uh they yeah they're definitely my favorite band of all time and it's always easy to go back and listen to their stuff, but it kind of varies. Sometimes it's like a lot of drum and bass upbeat kind of music or sometimes even uh, Foo, Fight, like Foo Fighters is kind of like the lighter side of some of the stuff and yeah. sort of sometimes it goes into heavy metal, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I can appreciate like a bit of everything, you know. Absolutely, mate. Foo Fighters are my favourite, but 
as you said, a bit of heavy stuff. I mean, I even like motorhead, so yeah, you can go as heavy as uh, you want. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hey, talk to me about your coach, Andy McMillan. Um, what's he like as a coach, and, and how has he helped you know your career? Um, well, he's. I think the best thing about Andy, like for me, is he's still young and he's sort of he's been there. So he was in he was at the Olympics in 2012 for swimming, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like he knows what it takes and sort of you know he's been around uh, a lot of very incredible swimmers and coaches as well. And I can just see like when. We went to altitude last year. He was just asking so many questions and wanting to get all this knowledge in. And, you know, he talked to Greg Troy and whoever else he could, like, you know, talk to about, like, oh, what are you guys doing? And, you know, he really is trying to look at, like, what the best are doing in the world and sort of try and bring that back into our program and, Sort of then, you know, he's been trying to do that for three years now uh, while he's been the head coach at North Shore. And um, it's really like showing improvements along with, you know, everyone and the people that are coming in. And, you know, and then sort of now he's trying to just expand that out with other clubs and stuff throughout Auckland and hopefully more of New Zealand, especially like with the coaches sort of coming in sort of a bit younger now like uh, I know like uh, Coast has their young coaches there uh, with um, uh, it was uh, Steve Steve was there for a while Steve Kent mm-hmm. um, and sort of they've um, had quite good communication and they're good mates and you know it's just I find that he's sort of brings up that energy as well and brings it into training and you know he's very you can see like when things are going good or things are going bad but it's nice to have like that sort of open honest communication with him and being able to be like you know this is this this is that this is where I'm at kind of thing and yep. having that feedback um from him is you know more beneficial to having the squad sort of run smoothly Hey, is there anything we wouldn't know about Andy that maybe only you guys get to see on pool deck? Has got any quirks? Oh, I don't know. Uh, all I can say for for Andy really is, you know, he's just a top notch guy, and we it's just you know it just makes sort of it makes everything kind of easier. Where it's like you know you can see like when we have our conversations that he's like one who really 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 cares about like sort of everyone who's got something to do with them mate um you know looking through your your career and obviously the events that you race it's pretty clear that you're not afraid of a bit of hard work what what are some of the toughest sets you've done through your career so far oh uh well one that um we used to always do with Clive was the 31s best average on uh, 140. I think we did 140 at the time. Um, that was always a stinger, yeah. uh, especially when we had a long course. You'd get to about like 2021 20, and then start like blown out. But uh, some of the hardest sets that I've done were with our American coach that we had, Jerry Olszewski, from uh, he's from America and. We used to have uh, Thursday night showdowns, is what we'd call it, okay. and it'd be it'd be about the set would usually be between three and a half and four and a half k, give or take. Mm-hmm. But it'd be like a sort of descending set, and it would start out. It, one of the ones that I can always remember was like it'd be a three hundred on I think four minutes or four thirty. Um, you start sort of there, and then two one fifties on two minutes, sort of short rest another 300, two 150s, and then a 300. And you'd want to descend the 300s within the set yep. and then the whole, do that, all of that set three times. Mm-hmm. And so you descend the first set and then the second set, you have to start the 300 faster than the first one and go down. So by the time you get to the very, very last 300, you're going to be going like pretty much max. Yeah. And um, I don't know, like at the time... Yeah, the set was hard, but it was like 
all the all the boys in training were like you know just like talking crap and and trying to yeah just like having that banter and then you know like absolutely gunning for it um like i'm pretty sure in those times we were starting out like uh three like 318s long course i think Mm -hmm. um on the first one on the very first one and then descending down from there so like some of those sets like I don't know how I'd fare at it now, but <laughs> um, like back then with those guys, it was it was definitely like good times for hard work. Mm. Well, you make a good point there, mate. That you know, I guess some of those tougher sets really doesn't matter what the the board says unless you've got the right environment around you. You know, obviously there, you know, at that stage you had a really good group of of squad members around you, the banter was going, it was back and forward. People were obviously puffing their chest out and getting their shoulders back and going, come on, let's go. Yeah. So it makes a big difference in terms of, you know, the output in effort that you put into the set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've got the same thing here now with uh, the squad that we've got at North Shore. Like, everyone's sort of trying to rally in behind, you know, push everyone a bit further. And that's like what one of Andy's quotes that, uh that he got off uh, when we were in America, a good session looks the same. A good and a bad session look the same on paper. Yeah, so 100%. pretty much, yeah, he was just trying to get behind, like, you know, you can have the same session written exactly the same way. You do it one way with a certain mindset or you do it another way with a certain mindset and the other, one of the two ways might be better than the other. 100% agree with you, mate. Now, listen... What was it like coming over here in 2018? Obviously, you've been here before and uh, and whatever else, but competing at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, somewhere where, where you had been uh, many times before, how, how did you find racing outside, for starters? Um, well, I've always struggled swimming outside. Um, being long and lanky, uh, kind of still getting used to being able to structure myself mm-hmm. go on a straight line yeah, yeah. um but yeah training outdoors for a couple of years and sort of knowing it it wasn't actually too bad um the sun was out thankfully when we were there <laughs> yeah. unlike in uh i think it was uh 2014, 2014 panpax yeah yeah i remember that where it was uh <laughs> cold and rainy the whole time yeah um but yeah no like I'd consider the Gold Coast my uh, my third home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not like the back of my hand after living there for a couple of years. Um, but it's nice to sort of be back and be around there. And the whole like environment was, you know, it felt really cool. And to have like you know family uh, come over and my mate, uh, he came over with his dad and. Mm-hmm came and watched so it was like you know it's it made it made it uh, a lot more special because more people could come and watch you know yeah was it a different atmosphere too i mean obviously com games are still important but was it a little bit more of a, a relaxed atmosphere given that you'd been here you know as you said for two years you trained here you were very familiar you had people coming over to watch was it a bit a little bit more of a, a relaxed and enjoyable sort of something you could sort of sit back and take it in whereas i guess sometimes at the olympics or or world champs you're kind of you know in the moment you're not really looking peripherally around you you're sort of you're focusing on what you're doing where was this a chance for you to kind of enjoy the experience of it all yeah yeah like it was it was a lot easier to be like i sort of knew my way around without having a sort of stress about like uh where is this where i gotta go for this yeah. it was like I kind of knew where it was at all times and, you know, that takes like one of the stresses off and as just, yeah, like we were training literally a couple of kilometers down the road from where the racing was and I'd swam in that pool before, um, like the warm up, warm down pool, I'd swam in there like multiple times before. So it's kind of just like, um, it just kind of made it less, less foreign yeah, very and familiar. not, having to yeah not having to adjust as harshly as sometimes as you have to do with different pools uh when you go to those major comps 
Now, listen, mate, we're going to move away from the pool for a little bit and just see what get up to uh, outside of, of swimming. What do you get up to? Like, uh, I've been reliably told that, you know, you don't mind a bit of gaming. What what do you do to, to pass the time away from swimming? Um, well, yeah, there's, there's gaming. Uh, I started, uh, I've tried a bit of streaming, um, streaming on Twitch, uh, play a lot of League, League of Legends, um, but I kind of bit of everything. Um, I, I watch out for a lot of sales on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, if there are any like really good games that are on sale, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, besides that, like that would fill up most of my time. I also love my cars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a. I currently have a '88. BMW 3 Series, okay. the old the old E30 yep. box cars. Yeah. Um. So that's my that's my pride and joy. Yep. <laughs> Even though it's in the shop half the time. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, like I don't know. I just kind of try and when I'm out of the pool, just keep myself occupied doing that kind of stuff. Where you know I've done what I need to do to make sure I'm feeling good for the next session, and then you know, indulge in other things. Um, I have my girlfriend over from the States at the moment, so that's been nice. She's only supposed to be here for two weeks in March and then ended up staying here till for, well, she's still here now, so that's going on three and a half months. Um, So that's been nice to have uh, her here the whole time. What about, uh, you know, we talk about life away from swimming. What about setting yourself up for, for life after swimming? And I'm not, not implying that that needs to be anytime soon, but you know, do you have ideas of you know um, job that you want to get into or a, a certain you know line of work that you want to go down? Um, honestly, like I, I kind of been sort of like searching around for ages. I worked a lot. Um, I did a year and a half of a business degree, and then kind of was like, no, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, not really pulling my interest kind of thing. And then uh, I have been doing a mechanic apprenticeship and I was do- I've been doing that for, well, I've been working in a shop. Uh, I was working in a shop for oh, going on four and a half years um, through people that we knew um, and sort of kind of just gone off that as well with having the swimming uh just really focusing on the Olympics and because yeah. I, I did find that that was very physically draining, especially after like doing all the hard work in the pool. Yeah. And when you get sore, then you have to go bloody unbolt <laughs> super tight bolts on a car and, you know, fixing all that, holding your arms up kind of thing can get a bit strenuous. I have found. Did you start um, getting into the mechanic side of things because your car's been in the shop that often? You wanted to start working out how you could fix it yourself. Uh, not quite. <laughs> it was more. Uh, I was working in the shop and I had my old car, and then um, my boss's son were doing work on his car, which was the I think it was eighty. I think it was the eighty nine three series as well, um, and then. I drove that from our workshop to his office and that's when I was like, nah, I have to get this. Mm. Um, that's kind of what sold me on it and, you know, I managed to, I, I've, I've had mine for a, just over a year now and like even though it has, broken, uh, it has not worked a couple times then, it's been like, I don't know, it's just so enjoyable. Uh, that's kind of what it comes back to. It's just more enjoyment. I really enjoy it, you know. Mate, I like to finish all of our chats with a little bit you know, less serious, rapid-fire questions. Um, I think, again, it's a great little insight into you and, and what you like away from the pool and what sort of things uh, keep you entertained. So, you know, first thing that comes to your mind when I, when I throw these things out, you just chuck the answer back at me. Are you ready to go? Okay. Yeah. So, favorite music? Uh, from Candy Khan. Um, 
Oh, so like rock, rock, I'd say. Yep, rock, nice. yeah. Favorite movie? Um, Avengers Endgame. Very nice. Uh, mate, what's your biggest fear? Do you have any fears? Like, funny funny kind of thing. It's kind of ironic, but <laughs> like deep deep water, I guess. Yeah. More like ocean, like deep ocean water yeah. kind of thing. Did you ever, or do you ever, you know, when you're in the warm-up pool, especially some of those dive pools, do you ever go down to the bottom and, and try and touch the bottom? Yeah, yeah. So you're all right with that. It's just if it goes a lot further, you're probably... It's more not being able to see the unknown. Ah, so it's the darkness. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, mate, what about your favorite meal? Obviously, you know, swimmers, athletes, love a feed. What's your favorite meal? I would say nachos. Oh, great choice. I love anything Mexican, but yeah, nachos, definitely, definitely yeah. great choice. Well, the most amazing thing are breakfast burritos if you haven't had them. Ah, beautiful. Now, mate, you have um, you know you've managed in your, in your career so far to to travel around to some some fantastic countries. What are some of your favourites that you've visited? Um, I would say Rio, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing Christ the Redeemer up on the um, up on the hill, uh, and then uh, Barcelona was Barcelona was awesome, and Burj Khalifa in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, where else have we been? And uh, Tokyo. Tokyo is always lovely. I absolutely loved it there. It's such a nice place and everyone's so friendly, you know? Mm. Mate, what about favourite TV show to binge watch? Have you been into anything lately? Mrs. is Ooh. over, obviously, from America. You would have had to sit down and watch Netflix well, or go through a few things. Yeah. During lockdown, she started me on... Uh, the Vampire Diaries, okay, yeah, um, which you know, surprisingly, I enjoyed. <laughs> um, her other favorite is Love Island. Yep. So we, we've been binge watching that a bit, um, but I'd say probably one of my favorites to binge watch would be Psych. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that show. Is that still going? That's not on anymore, though, is it? No, that, that finished in 2014, which I was quite surprised about because I can very remember very well uh watching it on prime tv mm. um at home in probably 2008 2009 i was like this is so awesome yeah. and then kind of like didn't really see it much after that and then came back from aussie after living there and looked it up and it went on and finished in 2014 i was like oh wow yeah, that was um, it. Was interesting. There's a few shows around the, that time that um, I was into. I did like that, and I also used to like a, a, sh- a show called Lie to Me. Um, I think it only had like three seasons or something like that. But um, yeah, it's funny how the things just drop off. Yeah. Hey, what about uh, your favorite game to play? Or if you've got a couple, I don't mind if you throw a couple. And keep in mind, I'm not a gamer, so I'm probably not going to understand what you're saying, but the audience, the yeah. listeners will. Well, I'd say my game I always go back to is League of Legends. Um, it's a very hit or miss in terms like, because I am very competitive. It is a, um, it is a player versus player game. Um, all online so uh, when you have those days you have those days if you know what I mean yeah yeah um, but besides that I would say besides League I'd probably go for Halo okay Halo is always a, a favourite of mine it's been around a long time Halo isn't it oh yes what about, um, mate, your favourite quote? Uh, you've mentioned a couple that your coaches have given to you through this chat that we've had, but do you have a favourite? Do you have one that, you know, you look back on and, and say, yeah, that's that's one I, I really like to keep close? Not not really off the top of my head. Um, usually, like, if I'll see them, I'll be like, oh, yeah, and sort of take a mental note of it. But, um, yeah, most of the time it's... Um, more in a banter kind of way that I use some of the stuff that I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Feel my favourites are, um, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, yeah. 
once the other one how you do anything is how you do everything so you know quite often people in especially in training go oh it's all right i'm only doing it this once but you know it quite quickly becomes a habit and then the habit turns yeah. into a bad one and then all of a sudden you know they, as i said how you do anything is how you do everything so just a couple yeah. there mate if you want to jot those down get the pen and paper out yeah <laughs> no, don't really it's all good um nah. now mate listen when we redo this chat in uh say two to three years and uh, we get you back on probably two years i don't want to wait too long what accomplishments <laughs> would you like me to be adding to that intro about you and obviously you know it was already a good one you know been to olympics been to world champs swimmer of the year what, what would you like me to add to to that intro well i am looking to i, I want to win an Olympic medal. Mm. Uh, that's the goal for next year yep. um, with the Olympics. But after that, sort of haven't really thought too much into it, kind of like that, that's that been my whole sort of focus since the last Olympics is the next one. Mm. And sort of past that, haven't really put much, too much thought into. Yeah, one um, foot in front of the other type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Because you start thinking further and further ahead and then you get sort of sidetracked and then here comes 2020 and you're like oh wow it's already here yeah. you know i'm not i'm not where i would like to have been mm-hmm. and it's easy to do isn't it so to get ahead of yourself yeah exactly man i think we'll wrap it up there um yeah thank you very much for starters for, for agreeing to come on for a chat um you know i know as you mentioned you guys are starting to get back to semi-normal training now so i, I really appreciate you taking the time to to come on and, and have a chat with us, mate. And I hope a lot of our listeners from both New Zealand and Australia, you know, get behind you after this chat. And I love what you and, and a lot of the other swimmers at the moment are doing for New Zealand swimming. Um, you know, keep up the phenomenal work and hopefully we can stay in touch and, and get you back on for a chat somewhere down the track. But for now, mate, thank you very much for coming on Off The Block Swimming Podcast. No, thank you very much for having me. Today's episode is proudly sponsored, as always, by Pro Swim Workouts. Okay, I promised it, guys, so it is here to celebrate our brand new partnership with Arena NZ. Off the Block Swing Podcast and Arena NZ are giving all our lucky New Zealand listeners a chance to win a fantastic arena pack valued at $250. The prize includes an arena backpack, kickboard, and racing goggles, and all you have to do to be in the draw is make sure you're following Arena NZ and Off The Block Swimming Podcast on Instagram, then head to our Off The Blocks Insta page and find the competition giveaway post. In the comments, you must tag a friend and tell us which NZ athlete you'd like us to have on the show in episodes to come. Yes, it is that simple. Don't forget the competition starts this Friday. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, but you have friends from across the ditch, make sure you let them know to get amongst this fantastic opportunity to get their hands on some awesome arena gear. Massive show coming your way on Friday with world championship medalist Lewis Clairbert and also a huge announcement surrounding our show and New Zealand swimming. So make sure you do not miss it. Until then, though, guys, have a great day, and it's bye for now.